This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast, live from the Cobble Group Studios. We are broadcasting from our brand new setup today, which I'm very excited to uh, to be releasing out into the world. We've been working on this for a little while now. As you can see, uh, if you're joining us on YouTube, you obviously can if you're on the podcast. I've got a new roundtable here with four mic setups. Uh, so we're going to start live streaming from here uh, with guests in the studio uh, in the coming months. So pretty excited about that. I think the first person that's going to be joining me is Ian Horowitz from Equity Warehouse. We're going to be diving into self-storage here uh, in a couple of weeks when he comes to Nashville. So if uh, if you are a, an acquaintance of mine and you know something about real estate, hit me up. Uh, next time you're in Nashville, we can uh, get you into the studio and and uh, have, a, have a really fun conversation. I want to kind of build a reputation of the studio being the spot when you're in Nashville. You want to come hang out at the studio. Hard is saying, great day for a great day, eh? Couldn't agree more. It's beautiful out. Uh, just got back from Chattanooga last night. I was out there for the day. I'm um, working on some stuff for Peerless Mills. It's pretty good. He's saying, oof, look at that studio. Very nice. I appreciate it, man. It was good meeting you at Bigger Pockets. It's uh, pretty nice to to finally have this studio done. And, uh, <laughs> well, at least mostly done. We still have a couple of things left to do. We got to you know work on the lighting a little bit. But the the soundproofing in here is a million times better, uh, which feels really good. If you're not aware, this is our office hours live stream where I go live doing the things that I wish somebody had done when I first got started in commercial real estate, giving you advice and answering whatever questions you have on investing, buying, leasing, becoming a broker, uh, running a business in commercial real estate, you know, whatever you got. So feel free to drop those questions in the live chat. Uh, if you would like to join us live, we go live every Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Let's see. Michael's saying, looks nice. I'm up there once a month. Well, Michael, uh, hit me up, man. If uh, if you've got some properties or something interesting to talk about, let's get you in the studio. We'll talk about it. Uh, a couple of quick updates before we dive into any questions while y'all are thinking on those. Uh, I decided, I announced yesterday on my Instagram, I'm going to be getting my general contractor's license. I am fed up of dealing with the general contractors that are out there. Um, I don't know if it's, I know it's not just me because a lot of y'all were DMing me saying you're dealing with the same problems, but man, I, you know, I don't know if it's, if it's Nashville or if it's the entire country, but it is amazing how many incompetent general contractors are out there. And, you know, honestly, after looking into the licensing requirements, I can see why. It is way too easy to get your general contractor's license. You actually don't even have to really know anything about building. It's wild. The the exam that you have to take to pass and get your general contractor's license is open book. Open book. I mean, think about that. Isn't that wild? An open book exam. It, it is harder to get your real estate license than it is to get your contractor's license and that is mind-boggling to me considering the implications of building, right? And and all of the accounting and the complexities that come with each division of construction. Pretty interesting to me. But uh, yeah, we're, we're going to start on some smaller commercial. 
um, and some residential actually. Um, that's you know y'all y'all have probably heard me talk about. I'm doing my first house flip, um, so we'll be documenting that whole journey. I'm going to show you guys what it's like going through getting my general contractor's license, and why we're adding that vertical to the commercial real estate firm. I think that it is going to be uh, look. It's it's something that I wanted to add from the very beginning of founding my company. You know, when I started the Cobble Group back in 2018, I always envisioned four pillars of the firm. Uh, it's brokerage, property management, development, and construction. Now, we've got the other three. We've got brokerage, property management, and development. But, you know, for the longest time, I thought, you know what? It, it, it may just be easier on us if we don't get involved in construction, right? It's easier to be on the development side, holding the general contractor to the fire, than it would be to be the guy that's being held to the fire. But what I have found is that there's not a lot of repercussions for bad contractors. It is wild. I mean, I, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for 10 years. I grew up in the construction business. And even still, with all of the systems and processes and contracts that we have in place, we still run into issues with bad contractors. So it's uh, it's... It just makes sense for us to move on to that. Let's see. Michael's dropped in a super chat. Have you ever leased or sold to municipalities? You know what? I haven't, Michael. That's a great question. Uh, I know that there are some investors out there that will exclusively buy post offices for that very reason, because you know the government, I mean, what better tenant could you have, right? If the government stops paying rent, we've got bigger problems uh, <laughs> in, the, in the world. Um, but they, they usually sign very long-term leases. They have incredible credit. Uh, lenders are usually willing to give you pretty aggressive uh, loan terms on them. You know, I would say I would say municipalities are up there along with uh, medical professionals. You know, dentists, doctors, those are some of the best uh, tenants that you could ever have in a property. Um, actually, that's not true. We have leased to a municipality. We've got them in one of our properties uh, up in Madison, and it is a what is it? It's it's a part of the correctional facilities here in Nashville, uh, but it's not processing or anything like that. It's it's in a retail sh uh, shopping center. I'd have to go back and look at the lease and see exactly what they do. But I know that they will have um, you know people that are on parole or something like that, like come in and check in. Um, so it's it's not really like a parole uh, type of spot, but it's something like that. I will say. They are. They can be a great tenant, and they can be a total pain of a tenant. They're great because you know they they take up a bunch of space. They always pay. Uh, they can be a pain because they are they don't want to handle anything. The way that they structure their leases, and this is a lease that we inherited, right? So so we just we bought the building they were in. They don't want to do anything. So I mean, if a light bulb goes out, they're calling us, which we're. You know, we're accustomed to on the office side, but this is a, you know, supposed to be a semi triple net lease shopping center. And, and they are the one lease that is not. Um, they have a very interesting process that they go through because I've, I've talked to, um, gosh, I forgot what it's called. I can look it up and, and share with you guys later what it is. But, you know, we'll get notices every now and then from the government that they've got a an entity that is looking for space out there. They have to go through a full process of of deciding uh, which space they're going to lease. It doesn't really work like a typical tenant because as they're going through it, they have to be able to show complete transparency that they did all of the work to make sure that that space is the right one. And that's another good and bad thing, 
right? It's good because if they pick your location, they're probably never going to leave or, you know, very rarely will they leave. Uh, but uh, you've got to go through this whole bidding process and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very unlike any other lease that I've ever worked on. So, um, yeah, Michael's saying that's interesting. So no triple net on municipalities. Yes and no. Um, for whatever reason, this entity, because there's so many different branches, right? Like, you know, I mean, you've got all sorts of different divisions within a municipality, you know, from from trash collection to uh, administration to taxes and audit. And, it, you know, there's so many different levels. And I think every single one kind of has a different director that decides different things. Um, so some of them, I, I believe post offices are a triple net basis. It, it could vary depending on the municipality, but I have seen post offices out there that were on a triple net basis. Rich with cars is saying, good luck on the GC license. My girlfriend is preparing for hers, but she's going for the NASCO license, which is a multi-state license. You should consider that given that you look at projects outside of Tennessee. That's great advice, Rich. I, I appreciate that. Um, I will definitely be looking into that. One thing that's interesting about GC licenses is they're far more reciprocable. Is that a word? Uh, <laughs> reciprocable um, across state lines than like a real estate license is. You know, when back in the day, if you got a real estate license in Tennessee, all of the states surrounding it would reciprocate. So it'd be very easy for you to apply and get your real estate license in those states. Now it's it's really difficult. You got to go through, you know, the the education again. Um, or you got to retake the exam or you got to do some some sort of extra steps, which I get it. But I mean, I've been doing real estate for 10 years uh, in Tennessee. It's pretty much the exact same in Kentucky. Uh, I should be able to just go over there and apply based on my experience to get my license. But, you know, it is what it is. Let's see. Anthony saying, good morning, Tyler. I'm 25 years old, working on, currently working on a $60 million project, which is for commercial. Congrats, Anthony. That's awesome. That's a uh, it's a pretty big project. Sounds like it could be a good one. Rich, uh, we're selling them a vacant parcel of land for development. They're looking to build a fire station alongside a training center. Um, oh, sorry. His earlier one was, I'm in the process of selling to a county here in Florida. Quite a different process. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a pretty good deal. Um, you know, you can't really ask for a, a better buyer than than the government, right? I mean, again, it's going to be a process. They go through, uh, I mean, they put you through uh, the trials. That is for sure. But good thing is they've got money, right? You don't really have to do a credit or uh, <laughs> you don't have to do a, uh, you know, check the funds on that one, right? Ken is saying, hello, good day, everyone. Yeah, you guys uh, should jump in the live chat and, and start connecting with each other. I mean, that's one of the great things about doing these live streams. There's so many people that are like-minded jumping in here. Um, y'all should y'all should definitely all be connecting. Um, but yeah, the GC license is going to come in handy. I mean, we're we're looking at. Uh, I mean, we're doing a house flip. I I I I, you know, made a joke yesterday on Twitter, like, hey, I got into the hard money lending game, and you know, on a totally unrelated note, guess who is flipping his first house? The contractor that I went to ended up going belly up thirty days into it. I typically wouldn't have made that decision, but it was an old friend from high school. And that is a good lesson right there to never, uh, you know, go out of your way to help someone, um, no matter how well you know them, always maintain your standard processes as if they are a stranger. I probably would have done a more thorough background check. Last week, WSMV ended up running a 
an investigative report on him. He's stolen over $300,000 from other homeowners. And uh, he called me and said he's filing for bankruptcy. So that's how I ended up with the house back. And uh, it's going to be a fun process. I'll definitely do a vlog and, and tell you guys all about that story because it's interesting. Um, just, you know, the risks that come with hard money. And, you know, if you're if you're going to do that, you got to be prepared to take the house back and, and finish the project yourself, because uh, that's really the only way you're going to be able to make money on it. Um, of course, if you if you lend it at, at, at the correct, you know, loan to values, then, you know, maybe you could just flip it, make your money back, make a little bit of profit, and move on. But, you know, again, it was a high school buddy. So I didn't uh, I didn't go as strictly as I normally would have. Uh, but I did look into the deal. I knew that, you know, hey, if we have to flip this, we'll make all of our money back and a pretty decent profit. So um, it's it's kind of like how I started the Cobble Group. You know, it wasn't something I'd really been planning on. I kind of got pushed into it, which ended up being the best thing ever. But uh, it's going to be great because we're adding the residential vertical back to the development firm. Y'all y'all may know that my first development project was 42 townhomes down in Bellevue, uh, a for sale project. And you know, I haven't really done residential since that development. And just because we've been so hardcore on commercial, but with where the market is right now, where interest rates are, where the risk is, the the lender sentiment, residential is looking pretty attractive. And based on the programming that we've got, we think that we can make about a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars of profit per flip. And that is kind of hard to turn down, um, especially when you can do multiples of those a year. Michael's saying, as a Tennessean, what is your perception of investing in Alabama? Don't hold back. Oh, I love it. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, w I went to the University of Tennessee for for a whole year and grew up in Tennessee. Not a big Vols fan, uh, but, uh, well, I mean, think about it. I was there in 2011, 2012. They were total garbage. Really tough to watch. And, of course, you know, this this past weekend was the, the Tennessee-Alabama football game. Um I don't even know the outcome. I think Tennessee. I think Tennessee was winning last time I saw, but I'm pretty sure Alabama came back and smoked them. Um, but you know, I actually like Alabama. I think Birmingham is one of the coolest cities in the Southeast. I think it's very overlooked because it doesn't have a lot of of the industry going for it that Nashville, Atlanta, Charlotte do. Uh, but Birmingham's a really cool tertiary or maybe tertiary market. I mean, you know, Nashville used to be a tertiary market or a secondary market, and I feel like it's definitely primary now. And if Nashville's primary, Birmingham's got to be secondary or tertiary. But anyway, um, you know, Birmingham is 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 beautiful. It's got a lot of older industrial buildings just because it was it you know it was doing really well in the in the eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and then it kind of fell off, and so. When that happens in a city, same thing happened in Louisville, and something similar kind of happened in Chattanooga. You get all of these old, beautiful, historic industrial buildings that never get torn down for parking lots like what happened in Nashville. So there's a lot of really cool investment, uh, you know, value add uh, or adaptive reuse opportunities there. I think Huntsville is obviously incredible. It's one of the top multifamily markets in the country. But honestly, outside of those two cities, I haven't looked at Alabama at all. I don't know what is going on in the rest of that state. Um, to me, it seems like there's obviously nothing really happening. Um, but I would be interested in investing in those two cities. I almost built, um, we we were looking at a project down in Huntsville for, I want to say it was 127 apartment units. We ended up passing on the project. It was a really good price per door. This is probably two, three years ago. 
But even back then, you know, it was it was tough to see the exit strategy, right? Because when you're building 127 units, you're not going to flip it to an institutional group. It's got to be a syndicator or something like that. And, you know, new construction, uh, it's just kind of tough. And I didn't really want to hold apartments uh, in, in Huntsville. Anthony's saying, I've been wanting to get into either buying or starting a ground-up development of my own. Do you have any advice of what I should do to finally get started? I do have a business degree, just need help. Anthony, if you want to get started in development, the best thing that you can do is find a commercial real estate developer that is doing exactly what you want to be doing and somehow turn them into a mentor. The best thing that I ever did when I first got started was I worked for a development firm for almost five years, which meant that I got to sit in on all the weekly development meetings. I got to see how they they put these deals together to learn the insides and outs of what's going on there. And that meant that I knew the exact site criteria that they wanted to see. So I went out, found some land, put it under contract, pitched it to the development firm that I worked for and ended up partnering with them on it. So you can do the exact same thing. You don't necessarily have to go work for somebody, although it does really, really help. Um, you could just spend a lot of time getting to know somebody, figure out what their site criteria is and go out and find them a deal, put it under contract, pitch it to them and, and partner with them. Now I got 10% of that deal. One thing that I see that people do far too often is they try and take like 50% of the deal. I found the project. I want 50%. No developer is ever going to give you 50% of a project considering, you know, unless you've got, unless you're putting up all of the cash or you have such a strong balance sheet that they don't have to sign on the debt. So if you don't have any experience, you don't have a strong balance sheet, you don't have a lot of cash, getting two and a half percent to 10% of a development project is amazing. If nothing else, you're going to learn and you're going to get a lot of experience and you'll have it on your track record. So I highly recommend taking that approach if you're looking to get into development. Entrepreneur Journal is saying, hey, Tyler, working as a developer on a deal, but I'm not sure how much to charge my client. I have no equity in this deal, just offering development services. Any thoughts? Uh, that's a great question. So we do third-party project management. It's really project management. Development, it's the same thing. Uh, my firm does third-party as well. And depending on the size of the deal, we'll charge anywhere from 3% to 10% with a fixed monthly rate as well. So it's the greater of the two. Because when you're first getting started in project management or development, the very beginning of the project, like when you're going through the engineer, the civil engineering and the architectural design phases, there's not going to be a lot of, of, you know, expenses that you can throw your three to 10% charge on top of, right? But you're still going to have real costs, right? It's, it's either your time or your team's time. And so uh, that's kind of how we structure ours. Obviously, the bigger of a deal it is, you know, we're charging closer to 3%. If it's a smaller deal, like, you know, $200,000, $300,000, where we're just overseeing a build out for somebody, you know, we're probably going to be charging 8 to 10%. Um, really just depends on the project. Uh, we're getting a lot of questions, guys. Uh, keep in mind, Super Chats get bumped to the top. I know we always end up running out of time here since these are only 30 minutes long. Uh, Ted, hi, Tyler. Uh, do you have any advice on marketing commercial space release? Yes, I do. That is what we have cut our teeth on, and that is what we are the best at. I think that uh, a lot of commercial real estate investors and brokers get this wrong because we are marketers first. You've got to be the best marketer possible. It doesn't matter how good you are at sales if nobody knows about your property. So the first thing that we do 
Uh, we, we have really strong SEO on our website now because we have created all of these web pages for every single listing we've ever had, as well as writing blog posts on them, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what that does is when somebody goes and searches retail space for lease in East Nashville, which is incredibly specific, right? Chances are good. One of our spaces is going to pop up. And if it's not available anymore, they'll likely contact us because we had retail space for lease in East Nashville at one point. Um, we also do, you know, videos, get a drone. I mean, I, I spent $2,000 on a drone like five years ago. It still flies. It's amazing. One of the better investments we ever made uh, because you can get some really, really good photos of, of the property with that. Um, and then we will get, you know, uh, videos, photos, uh, you know, on the ground, anything you can do to, to show off the space without somebody having to walk through it. Um, and then we'll do floor plans. That's one thing that I see a lot of people just not doing. They'll like do hand-drawn floor plans. I mean, now you can go and there's a couple of different groups out there. I'm forgetting the names right now. And one of them is Box Brownie. Uh, I forgot what the other one is. Maybe Boxable? Something like that. Where you can just literally walk through, take a video of the property, send it to them, and they will uh, create a floor plan for you. So it's, it, there's no excuse to not have a floor plan and it's only like 20 bucks. Um, but then of course, it, you know, build out your, uh, your email list, right? So make sure that you have every single commercial real estate broker in your market on that email list, post it on LoopNet, Crexy, Craigslist. I get a surprising amount of leads from Craigslist because think about it. There's a lot of small business owners that just go to Craigslist. They're used to looking for space for rent there. Uh, notify your economic development department. Uh, do a walkthrough, you know, start a YouTube channel, do a walkthrough vlog on how cool the space is. I mean, that, that is some of the best marketing we've ever done. And of course you've got social media. So post it on LinkedIn, post it on Instagram, Facebook, you know, I'll, I always like to do behind the scenes instead of just a pitch of like, Hey, check out this, you know, space, come rent it from me. It's more of like, look at this awesome property that we've got available. Uh, and that, that tends to do pretty well. Jalen Martin, I'm a, I'm a new commercial agent here in Miami. Is there anyone you know that I could reach out to for mentorship? Uh, Jalen, I don't personally know anyone in Miami, but I have a broker that just moved here from Na uh, to Nashville from Miami uh, that may be able to uh, pull you in the right direction. So shoot my office an email, office at thecobblegroup.com, and I'll see what Anthony has to say in terms of finding a mentor in Miami. Rich with Cars is saying, if you had your own capital, would you prefer going in on a value-add project on your own, or would you still look to, for a partner to mitigate your investment risk? Assume you have real estate experience. Great question. You know, a year, two years ago, I would have said, go find a partner. You can make your money go so much further. And, you know, syndication was great for us for a while. We're still going to be syndicating. I mean, it's it's not like we're, we're completely hanging up our hat on that one, but you know, dealing with partners and all of that is just so complicated. And I would look back on the amount of money that we were making on our syndications and the amount of money I was making on deals where I had partners in them. Now, there are still circumstances where I will absolutely partner with somebody. If they bring something to the table, then yes, I will partner with them. But as far as like just a strict, you know, money partner, or they're just signing on the debt, I don't know that I'm really interested in that right now. I mean, I may be again at some point in the future, but I want a group of people that are helping me pull these deals together because these projects are not easy, right? I mean, it is very tough to get all of this done. So um, I would rather do a project by myself, have 100% control uh, and and 
probably make the same, if not more money, even though I could only do one project at a time instead of maybe two. But honestly, when you're when you're not diverting your attention to multiple projects, it makes your life a lot easier and you can make that project even better. And then he's saying, thank you. Really helpful information. Do you have any contracts that I could possibly or contacts that I could possibly reach out to in the San Antonio area? Again, I don't have much into commercial real estate, but I can build it. Anthony, I don't know anybody specifically in the San Antonio area, but my partner, Bruce Peterson, is in Austin. Um, so he may know somebody in San Antonio. Um, feel free to, to reach out, office at thecobblegroup.com. We'll see if I can hook you up with somebody out there. Um, I'm trying to think through who I might know. I know I've got some contacts in Dallas. We're actually headed out there this week. We're going to be filming a vlog, uh, which is going to be really cool. Very desk. Uh, which is the the modular desks that you you can get in your office is actually flying us out to do a walkthrough of of their facility. So so really excited to see that. Entrepreneur Journal is saying I would love to see an example of your contract structure if that's okay. How can I reach out? Uh, I do not share those kinds of contracts uh, just because they are so specific to us and we paid an attorney uh, to put those together. What I would recommend is just reaching out to an attorney that has worked with project management groups before and ask them how you would structure that. Uh, that's what I did when I first got started. I reached out to an attorney that I knew had been working with other project managers in the market. And I just said, hey, you know, here's what I want to do. How should we structure this? And we kind of talked through it and then he ended up tailoring it to us. So that's what I, I always recommend on contracts because every state's different. Every group is different. Uh, your scope of work could be different. So I would highly recommend just reaching out to an attorney and having them put one together for you. Don Johnson, I have two potential multifamily properties available to me. Which one of your products that you sell would you recommend to help me analyze the deals, make offers, track due diligence, and close? Um, so we do have an underwriting spreadsheet for multifamily that, that we put together with Bruce Peterson, um, who has syndicated you know well over 1,200 apartment units. Uh, it's a great spreadsheet, uh, very straightforward and easy to use. As far as uh, tracking due diligence, I do have a free checklist download on my website. Uh, if you go to, oh my gosh, what is it under? I think it's tylercobble.com slash resources. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom of that page, uh, there is a free due diligence checklist download. It is the the checklist that we use on every single property that we do. So uh, that's, a, that's a good one for you to go through. Uh, let's see here. Looks like we'll get another uh, super chat. Uh, Kendall Williamson, just, hey, just super chatted. No question. Well, Kendall, if you've got a question uh, and that was an accident, just drop it in the chat and we'll get to it. Uh, let's see here. Oh, of course, I lost my, lost my spot. Uh, Kendall is saying, when you're starting out, is syndicating with high net worth individuals the way to go? So not when you're just starting out. You got to have a bit of a track record to go and raise capital from people because that's the first thing they're going to ask is how many times have you done this before and what has your experience been? Um, so you can start out doing that route if you have a partner that has that track record and that has done all of this before. That's what I did. I mean, I, I had developed a property, but I hadn't syndicated. I hadn't bought office buildings and renovated them. So I found a partner, gave him the lion's share of the GP because it was really because of his name, his net worth, that I was able to raise the capital and secure the debt on the property. Uh, and it was the best thing I could have ever done. I mean, again, I had a minority position in that general partnership. I, I made good money on that deal, but it wasn't like, you know, hey, I'm retiring off of this. But it allowed me to go raise for three more properties that year. 
So it was the best move I could have made was just finding a partner that had been there and done that. Um, so highly recommend uh, taking that route. Let's see, Victoria. How do we find the traffic and demographic information surrounding a commercial property? Can you list some sites or tools so we can create a marketing package with info about the space? Yeah, Victoria, I, when I was in the in the midst of of my um, you know demographic and traffic uh, information, I would use site to do business. I think I don't know if you have to be a, a CCIM member uh, to get access to site to do business. You may be able to just pay for it on its own. It's worth being a CCIM member. Um, you don't have to go through the CCIM courses at all to be a member, uh, but you do get access to some of the resources. Site to do business is one of those where you can type in an address and it pulls up a lot of that, that demographic information. The other thing that you could do is just look up traffic counts in your state. Um, like in, in Tennessee, we look up TDOT traffic counts and there's, you know, they, they keep track of, I think it's AADT maybe where they keep track of all of the traffic around a site. Um, and, and we can just go in there and kind of pull that information. As far as demographics go, you might have to do a little more digging. You could probably find it without paying for it, but it's, it's honestly just way easier to, to use a tool like site to do business or stdb.com, uh, to, to find all of that. Alec is saying, Hey, Tyler, Alec, what's going on, man? Good to, good to see you in here. Uh, what do you think of Raleigh and Durham, North Carolina? I, I love the markets. I mean, they're, they're very similar to Nashville, Denver, Austin. Um, they're a little bit smaller. Um, they're really cool and hip. I mean, there's a lot of millennials there. So I think they're great markets. We, we did a deal for a client in Raleigh-Durham, uh, gosh, probably about a year ago. And uh, it was a home run of a deal. It was a, a triple net investment that we ended up negotiating like 50 or 100 basis points higher than ask. Uh, and they still had like a 10-year lease on it. So it was a take five oil, I think. Uh, pretty good deal. I like that market. It's really cool getting to spend time there. Guys, that is all the time that we've got for Office Hours today. Tune in next week, 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time uh, to come in and ask your questions about commercial real estate. If I didn't get to your question, feel free to either join that live stream or leave me a comment in the comment section below. I will get to it. Appreciate you all, and I will see you all next time. This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by CRE Launch Pro. This online commercial real estate program is designed to take you from beginner to pro commercial real estate investor with access to all of my courses, our online community, and monthly group coaching calls. Learn how to confidently buy your first commercial property today at www.crelaunchpro.com.